Welcome to the On Her Mind podcast. I'm your host, Jess, and on this episode, I chat with Kim Power from Rejuvenators, which is Australia's leading mobile massage provider. We chat about how everything is figureoutable and a few things that have happened in business along the way. Let's jump right in. Kim, welcome to the On Her Mind podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jess. It's lovely to be here. Kim, Thank you so much for joining me. I really just want to have a good little chitty chat today and just get you to tell me a little bit about your background. You've got the um, rejuvenators is what you do. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Sure. So uh, rejuvenators is a mobile massage company that operates all throughout Australia, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, and Adelaide. And we've got um, around 100 therapists that go to people's homes, go to offices. We work with about 800 hotels, um, all of the four and five star hotels. We work with them and their beautiful guests so that when they're jet lagged and exhausted and and, uh, just need a little bit of TLC, we go in and do remedial massage for them. Yeah, that's really awesome. How did you come to start that? It was, it's a, it's quite funny. It was not a, a grand plan. Um, usually you hear people say you have to have a business plan and you need to do this and that. There was none of that. It was, I was a hairdresser and all of my clients came to have a scalp massage at the basin before I cut the hair and they loved it so much. They would come half hour early and be so super relaxed at the end. They didn't care what I did to their hair. I was a brilliant hairdresser. (laughs) They loved it. And they kept saying, oh my gosh, Kim, you should be a masseuse. You should be a masseuse. And I didn't even know what that was. So I went and studied it and, um, absolutely fell in love with it and that was the end of my my hairdressing career which is all I ever wanted to be since I was a little girl and the light went off for that and it went on for massage and as they say the rest is history yes they have to be the best thing that you can get is the scalp massage at the hairdressers so it sounds like you gave the best ones ever um, I think the thing these days is it's really annoying when you are so looking forward to that when you go <laughs> yes. to the salon and they do like a two-second one oh. and it's so frustrating. It's, like, it's, no, devas- it's actually devastating, isn't it? And you like you anticipate it and you think about it and you're like, oh, I just can't wait for this. Yeah. And then you get into the basin and it's like, okay, you're done. Like, no, where is my massage? <laughs> yes. I, I'd, have, I'd be happy to pay $5 extra or something for it, you know, just to keep going. <laughs> Yes. So you're massaging people's heads, you go into massage, you know, have you always sort of wanted to go into owning your own business? It it had never been on my radar. Um, I finished year 12. I was a really late starter as an apprentice for being a hairdresser because I didn't want to not finish my high school HSC. And then it it really, no one in my family had ever been in business. My friends had, didn't have parents who were in business. Everyone was always employees. So I really didn't know what it was. And it was only when I sort of kept getting people asking me to go mobile and go to their house or, you know, I had a couple of phone calls from hotels ringing saying, would you come and visit our guests? it was like oh okay sure so there was no thought of me being a business owner 
So for anyone who is yeah. listening to this, where you, you've really um, you fell into business by accident, it's okay. You can figure it out. It, yeah, it's all figure wow. <laughs> it is all figure outable. I love that. And you've, you're saying that, you know, you've never really like thought about it and then you've grown such a massive company. So how did you, how did you start growing? Would you, were you just like advertising everywhere or just chatting with people or you're just that good? It was really word of mouth and um, it probably stayed like that for a good couple of years. And then all the other, like one hotel in Brisbane started working with me, then it was two, then it was 10. And then as those general managers moved to other hotels and other cities they kept ringing saying Kim please come here please come here the people there's we can't find anyone that they're not reliable you know we're getting complaints so it was again um I suppose I did start to have more entrepreneurial thoughts of like oh wow like this is really great I'm helping more people I'm serving more people and I got so busy that I started getting booked out and I was trying to answer the phone and massage at the same time, which was terrible service. So I then hired my first um, receptionist and she just booked all my appointments for me so I could work. I was doing 24 hours on call then for hotels back in wow. the early days. Yeah, wow. And people go, really? You were just massaging? And yes, I was just massaging. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was very much like the international guests. And I was working with the high rollers at the casino. So they would play through the night and then they would sleep during the day. So I'd be on call for them at any hour of the morning, going from dead asleep oh. to get up and, you know, be at work at two o'clock in the morning doing a two-hour remedial massage before they fell asleep for the rest of the day. Wow. So there was that real sort of passion and drive there. And it didn't feel like work. Yeah. Like I just truly adored it. Like there was times when I was tired, but I just, even today, like, 20 something years later when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with my clients it absolutely makes my heart sing and it's effortless for me to do yeah so it's easy and do you think in those early stages just sort of saying yes to a lot of things really sort of built up that reliability where people were like okay we'll call on Kim she's really good at what she does and we know that she's reliable absolutely Jess um I see it these days where, you know, young therapists will come into the industry and they've got a list of demands of, I don't want to work these nights, I don't want to work weekends, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. Uh, there was none of that. You know, yeah. I literally would be out at dinner with my friends and I'd have my massage table and my equipment in the car and I would get a call and they'd say, Kim, can you come? And I would drop my dinner and I'd be there in half an hour. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. <laughs> that's that's amazing that you do that. And obviously you loved it so much. It was, um, look, it was definitely challenging. And there were times when the uncertainty is really hard. Like you could have days where it was super busy and then days where there was just nothing, you know, might have one or two bookings or something. And you quite, you never quite knew when the next job was going to come. And so that was, I think, that hunger of going, well, I have to 
even if I don't want to work right now, I actually have to take this booking and I have yeah. to do my utmost to make this client so happy that um, they will want to book again, you know, or they will tell the hotel partner that it was amazing. So it was just keep showing up because you just don't know when the next one's coming. And I think unfortunately these days, a lot of that ethos has been lost, that work ethic. It's pretty much, you know, I've found um, without sounding too mean, it's it's very much, well, no, can't they have it at this time because I'm doing something right now? Yes, there's Does no room sense? for movement. Yeah, absolutely. It's my way or the highway kind of thing, but actually you're providing a service and you need to be flexible. Yeah, yeah. What was And your... it's not about, it's not yeah. about us no. as the provider. It's about you you know, as the guest or as yes. the client, yes. it's serving you. And I think customer service sometimes has been forgotten to a certain degree. So, yeah. 100% it has. It's, you know, something that's so noticeable when you sort of go to the shops that there's a different, so much different energies when you walk into different shops. You'll find that there's no customer service, whereas other ones there's a bit too much customer service. It's trying to find that balance. So, yeah. Take me back to young Kim and your childhood. What was your childhood like? It's funny. It was um, very, just a very simple, humble childhood. Mum and dad were, you know, my mum was a homemaker and my dad worked on the railways, um, grew up in Ballarat, freezing cold little place, beautiful <laughs> but cold. And, you know, just normal little kid, um, I was an only child for 10 years and then my beautiful little sister came along. So um, we moved a little bit. We moved to Queensland at one point and then my dad um, bought a business with his retirement uh, sort of payout and it went broke. And so I remember that happening and that was devastating. So that was a lot of, um, at the time I didn't really know what was going on. I was quite little, but it's amazing how that came back to play out in my business journey, having to go through and clear all of that up um, with certain beliefs that I'd taken on that I didn't even know. And what do you think, like what were those beliefs? What sort of things did you sort of take on? Um, one of the most powerful memories I have from that time was my mum. I walked in from school and mum was sitting at the dining table and she was counting uh, one and two and five cent pieces at the table, trying to figure out how to buy food for us. Yeah. And she was crying and I was like, oh, you know, so I can only imagine what she was feeling because she was away from all of her family and friends to do this long-awaited you know magical retirement phase of their life and yeah. it went horribly wrong and then um that's when she found herself pregnant for the first time in her life because I'm adopted okay. so it, it was sort of like a bit of a double whammy for them so yeah yes. incredible stuff yeah and that can really sort of sit with you for a long time even if you might not realize it so when did you find out that you were adopted I'd known I was adopted from I don't know it feels like 
all of the time because mum and dad did this most incredibly beautiful thing for me and it was a bedtime story. So from a tiny baby, they would tell me this story and it was about them coming to visit me. I was three months premature and um, shouldn't have survived. I was under a pound in weight when I was born. So, you know, I had to be in hospital for about six months uh, until they got the okay to actually adopt me because the doctors just thought "Mm, she's not going to make it or she's going to have too many learning difficulties or issues or something. So luckily, none of that, totally healthy. Um, So... Yeah, and then they they would tell me the story of how they would come and visit me and cry all the way back to Ballarat because they couldn't take me home. And, you know, and then then the day they finally could, they got the okay and I cried all the way back home to to Ballarat in the car and they didn't know what they were doing and they were freaking out. So that was my little sort of princess, I suppose, story, which was beautiful. So I've always known. That's so beautiful that they kind of, you know, worked that in. They didn't, you know, you hear stories where the parents don't tell the child or they hide it because they don't really know how to deal with it. But they've, you know, made it something really beautiful for you. They obviously love you so much. Yeah, it was very special. I, um, It's funny, I've had quite a few of my girlfriends who ended up being adopted that we figured out later. And I've had two boyfriends over the years that were both adopted that we figured out later. So it's (laughs) how we sort of um, energetically, I suppose, were drawn to similar things. And some of my friends that were adopted really struggled with it because they had been told when they were 16 or 18 or found out later when someone had passed away and just felt like they'd been lied to their entire life and uh, had to try to make peace with that. Yeah, that's a big um, sort of thing to have to make peace with, isn't it? To feel like you've been lied to or I don't even know where you'd start with that. Yeah, I think a lot of that came from the adoption centres and agencies at the time. They just told the parents that was the best way to go about it. Uh, And it was no real reflection on the parents that had adopted those children. They just thought they were doing the right thing most times yeah wow thank you for sharing that that's really really amazing I love that story that your parents were telling you that's so good I'm very lucky they're such a beautiful um you know family to be adopted into they were very like just not rich at all certainly oh my gosh like every cent was hard to come by um (laughs) But the amount of love in that house was astron- just astronomical. So yeah. I couldn't be, you know, loved even more if I wanted to be. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to really at the end of the day is just that love and that family environment. Money comes and goes. And I think if you build your wealth and your uh, identity around physical like money you can be absolutely sideswiped when things go wrong so it's important to have a strong identity in who you are and that you're worthy as you are whether you have money whether you don't have money whether you have success or not um you know there's some of the lessons over the years I've had to work my way through so yeah it's it's being in business is a very powerful journey 
Uh, I don't think that there's anything else you could do to bring up probably every insecurity you've ever had and have to find a way through it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. To try and, yeah, really figure it all out. So going back to rejuvenators, have you had any challenges along the way? Oh my gosh, Jeff, so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It feels like the challenges are never ending. Um, people go, oh, Kim, you must have it all together now you've been doing it so long. And it's like, no, no, it, it's every other day, week, month, there's something that you need to look at, change, adapt, you know, delete, add. So it's constant evolution and constant growth and constant personal growth. Um, there are certainly times when, when my mum passed away and it was... Um, in the middle of the night, I got a phone call from my dad saying she passed in her sleep. And so completely out of the blue, that took me to such a dark place. And I had worked my bottom off and been so driven in my business to build it to a national company that I'd spent a little time with my parents, but they were in a different state. And so I really beat up on myself a lot and I resented and hated my business for the fact that I hadn't spent more time with mum. Yeah. And so just things like that, you know, where um, having to work through that level of hatred and resentment on the thing that, you know, served so many people and served all of my team and paid all the bills and, you know, had helped me have an incredible life. I've travelled, I've, you know, lived in every city of Australia, all those sorts of things. And then to go from loving it intently to despising it, oh, my gosh, that was such an awful time of getting through that. Yeah, is that because you had been working so hard on the business and then, you know, your mum unfortunately passes away? I'm so sorry to hear that. And then... You, you hadn't seen her for a while or? Um, I think the biggest thing was I took them for granted and I thought they'd always be there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really, even though I would talk to mum on the phone, I would talk to dad on the phone, I would see them when I could because they were interstate. At that point I was living in Sydney um, and they were in Queensland um, I really, I suppose I just was so busy being busy and juggling a thousand things that, yeah, I just, you know, they'll always be there. My mum was only 64 when she passed. So it just made me realise that life is really short and don't take it for granted. If there was one blessing to that, time is that I'd promised mum and dad when I was quite young if I could ever do it I would take them on their dream holiday and my mum's was to go to Egypt and my dad's was to go to Ireland and they didn't really they couldn't afford to travel I think the only thing they'd done 2000 and maybe about the year 2000 they traveled to New Zealand and that was their one international trip that they'd taken in their life Um, And so in 2005, I decided, well, 2004, I decided that I would take them on an overseas holiday and I had no idea how to do it. I didn't really have the money to do it. Um, 
people think when you've got a big business that's successful that you're super wealthy and you know you're making billions of dollars yeah. you're actually reinvesting back into all the of that money if not more into it yeah so i decided that i'd start putting some money aside and saving to take mum and dad overseas and i thankfully to this day i'm so grateful i did that in 2005 and we had in the world um in a three and a half week global tour so we did paris london egypt Ireland. It was just insane. So awesome. <laughs> so beautiful. And um, we had like the best memories and just everything they wanted to do, we did. And then we came home and that was like October 2005 and mum passed in January 2006. Wow. So very close. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So dad and I can look back on that time, you know, even now we look at photos and just think, gosh, how lucky we were to be able to do that with mum. Yeah. And, you know, with the grief, how did you know straight away losing someone? I've lost my mum as well. And it's such a shock that you don't really know what to do, especially I hadn't lost someone so close to me before it was it's like a first time so you're really not sure how it works what to do I just sort of picked up and got on with it I'll be fine I'll be fine and I just kind of pushed that grief down to the bottom because I had things to do and everything needed to be sorted out but that really came back to kind of bite me later on so how did you deal with the grief of it all Initially, I mean, the night that dad rang, oh my gosh, I cried yeah. the whole way home. And um, I swear, like my mum was with me in the car looking out for me mm. because I was probably, I know you're not supposed to speed, but I was speeding because mm. it was three in the morning and I was driving from Brisbane to Gympie and I was, I don't know the exact speed I was doing. But um, I saw this car sort of come up to the side of me and they put a spotlight on me and I, my face was just like bawling yeah. and it was police. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my license. My whole business de just depends on me having a license, being mobile massage. And, um, and I just prayed to mum. I was like, oh my God, please make this go away. And they just turned the spotlight off and drove away. Oh, and wow. It was, there is no way that that should have happened because yeah. I was well, well, well over the limit of, of what the speed limit was. Yeah. So I swear she was with me and yeah. looking after me to get me to dad, which is beautiful. Yeah. And so you got to your dad and then, you know. It's like that level of grief comes in waves and when I got to dad's you know obviously taking care of him like you Jess you've got to get stuff done and being an, a, an entrepreneur and a business owner I can easily swing into action and go okay this 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 and this and this has to happen 
probably because of the industry I'm in and the work that I've done for so many years around mindset and emotions and managing all of that um, and helping people to do it. I was quite good with going through that process at the time and honouring the feelings as they came up. Um, I really struggled on the day of the funeral to do a talk on, you know, at, at the actual funeral itself. Um, I did it, but not very well. I was like, am I ugly cry? So <laughs> yes, <hate> yes <laughs> um, I feel you. Yeah, but it, it's very much a process and you need to honour all of that grief and not bottle up the, the feelings and the emotion of it and just act like you've got this because it will, like you said, it will come back to bite you and either your health will suffer physically or your mental health will absolutely suffer. The way I look at it is the amount of tears that you shed anytime, not just at the time of the event, but for 10, 20, 50 years later, you know, you're still going to think about them and miss them. And when you feel that emotion, it's rather than being upset about it, it's like that level of love, that level of emotion is how much you loved them and how much they impacted your life. Yeah, that's such a nice way to explain it because I definitely thought that grief would just come, it would like have a seat at the table and then it would leave and then I would be done. So, cause I'm very like, okay, next project, you know? <laughs> so um, then when I actually realized it comes all the time and to allow it to sit with it and to be kind to yourself as well to to really let it sit there and then say goodbye for the day or for the week you never know when it's going to come and certain things will trigger so for anyone that's listening that has lost someone and is going through that grief I think what you've just said is really really helpful especially coming up to Mother's Day and Father's Day and any of those um, pivotal times, Christmas or, you know, things like that, it can be really hard. And um, it, I think, you know, just reach out to your friends, reach out to any support that you need just to get through the day. It's, um, it's crucial. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So we'll go back to a little bit. We were talking about rejuvenators and the challenges you've come across. Um, you know, one being a major one with you losing your mum. So how, how did you sort of get back on track after that? It took quite a while. Uh, it was probably a couple of years. Mm. And I really just took a back seat, let the team run everything and um, had to find with a lot of support from mentors and coaches and doing a lot of inner work to clear up you know, all of the turmoil that I had around it. Um, I spent a lot of money during that phase, making, getting my head right and getting myself back in the game. And uh, it was really crucial to be able to go, okay, you know, it was a phase and it made me realise that I needed to change a lot of the structure of my company and how it ran and that it could run without me. Um, even more than what it had been. So it, it's, they, you know, they always say from the darkness there's light and there definitely was. It's sometimes hard to feel that that's the case, but 
even with right now, you know, with what we're going through with COVID, it's like you've got to look for the light and try to find the silver lining in what's happening. It's there somewhere. And sometimes if you can't see it yourself because you're too far in the dark and the grief of it or the fear or the frozenness or stuckness, you know, at that point is when you really need to go, no, no, I have to find my way through this. There's a way. There's always a way. Humans are way more resilient than what we give ourselves credit for. And um, it's just one baby step at a time to keep going. So that's really all I did through that three years was just keep stepping forward even when I felt like I didn't want to. Mm, There were times I was so depressed. I just would stay in bed for like five days and not get out and hardly even have a shower, didn't really want to eat. You know, it was a really shitty time. It's, and I think that's okay as well to know that sometimes you can't get out of bed and that is okay to not beat yourself up up about it and then to just keep moving forward the best way you can. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it gets a bit, you know, in, in this whole social media life where everyone's happy and the lives look perfect, um, it can make people feel less than. And it's not, it's not all of it's real, not all of it's true. And I'm sure a lot of those influences or a lot of those accounts are having those down days as well. They just may not be posting about it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just not sort of showing it. So you did mention before that you sort of were spending money on yourself. Like it sounds like you were investing in you and really like digging deeper. And you said that you were, you know, confiding in mentors. How important is it to invest in yourself and have a mentor? Oh my gosh, it is the most crucial aspect of being in business and just being in life. You know, if you're not growing and adapting and learning more about yourself um, and feeling that you're making headway in life, that will cause the deepest depression if you're just standing still and then hating yourself for it. I've definitely done that as well. And, um, you know, it's just all of the money I've spent, all of the training that I've done, um, you know, I've done a master's training of neuro-linguistic programming and that spent, I spent two years in that program and then I've travelled all over the world with different uh, mentors and gurus, <laughs> just taking time to figure out who I was and what I needed for me to be happy in life outside of business. It's like me as a person, who am I? Because I'm not, I swear, I'm not my business all the time. And that can get lost a lot for um, small business owners or entrepreneurs. You know, we we get very caught up in this is who we are and we love our work and we love what we do and we're so passionate about it that you lose yourself. So it was really critical and I don't regret spending all the money that I've spent um, over the years in you know in getting to to where I am now and does that mean that I'm perfect hell no you know I still have shitty days and um you just have to keep on going and it's like like you said Jess being really kind to yourself through that process and realizing that 
it's human to feel emotion and those emotions are there to help you not hinder you Mm, yeah absolutely it's just I find that you know sometimes we're our toughest critics so just recognizing that that's there and then allowing the kindness to just come through is really important and with your mentors how did you find your mentors I wish I could say it was easy. Uh, It's not. And I, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last 25 years um, in personal development, personal growth courses, you know, trainings, all sorts of things. Um, Most of my mentors were either recommended to me from people I admired and said, who have you been seeing or what have you been doing? Um, or, or that I felt drawn to after reading a book or listening to, you know, their audio series or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's, um, I like that, you know, after you sort of listening, even I have mentors or I call them mentors, but they're just podcasts that I listen to. I don't actually know them, but <laughs> like, oh, that could be my mentor because I'm always listening to it and learning and actually putting things in place to go do the work. And then, you know, you kind of have a mentor in someone that is just a next door neighbor or that you see at the coffee shop. I don't know, someone that's around it can be as absolutely as simple as that um someone that inspires you and makes you smile and makes you happy some of you know my best mentors have been books over the years and um i just it's priceless you know if you get one thing out of a book that helps you change an entire perspective like that you know that can change your life with your business now I can't leave this out. This is too good. You've massaged some pretty famous people like Kanye West, Lady Gaga, <laughs> Tony Robbins, Kylie Minogue. The list goes on. So what are some things that you've learned from working with some of the best in the business? I think the biggest thing is the ones that Uh, I really resonated with the most was they were so humble and down to earth and whether they were worth a zillion dollars or they were an up and coming artist, you know, they just treated every person that they met with absolute respect and dignity. And that really helped them stand above maybe some of the other ones that I'd worked with that were quite on that same that same wavelength if that makes sense yeah absolutely um I think you know in regards to a couple of the artists that you know I would be there at 3 a.m in the morning when they got off stage and they would come back to the hotel and then I'd work with them before they'd go to sleep um I know you know one person I can think of that was very much like like this was Lady Gaga. She would have her EA with her and they'd be going through video footage of the show and going independently through every little bit and saying, change that, do this, do that, do that. And it's like two, three in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and she's got to be doing radio interviews and whatever the next morning. But that was the level of detail 
and passion and care and just her work ethic was absolutely incredible and through the roof that um, you can see that's how they get to the top of their game. Yeah, so um, driven, you know, that, like you say, that work ethic is just, that would be so inspirational to be around. Do you get to take like a little piece of that with you, do you think? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, just to be able to, sit in that energy of pure creativity and passion and drive. Um, There's a double-edged sword to that. And I know that um, she has shared her health challenges, you know, in the last probably 12 months or so. I'm not sure how long, but she's got some health challenges. and, And that's some of the downside to being that driven and that um, focused. So it's a real that I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is making sure that people can absolutely live in that state of genius, you know, where they're just in their flow and loving their life and loving what they do, but not to the detriment and their mental and emotional health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, in this sort of time with business and everything out of everyone's control, things are shut down. So people can't run their business. I've got people that I know who have had thriving businesses that have now had to shut. They don't know how long Um, anyone trying to pivot in this weird time. How have you pivoted during this time? It's, it's been uh, certainly, you know, Oh my God, completely challenging. Went from having strong cash flow month in, month out to literally within the space of a week, um, gone, just wiped out. Literally zero sales, zero money coming in. So I think if there's one thing I'm very glad about is that over the years, I got good at numbers and good at loving finances and loving how to do a rolling cash flow forecast and understanding my P&L and my balance sheet. And so that's given me a lot of certainty and a lot of, um, what's the word, just uh, peace of mind to be able to go, okay, this is how long we can run for without not without another cent coming in the door and just being able to jump on things very quickly and adjust and change you know, how we do business. So my pivot has been, it's, you know, my health and wellbeing work, my mentoring and my coaching work that I do with my clients. I've generally been doing it face-to-face for many, many years, but um, really ramped up the online part and the virtual sessions. So that was my pivot. Does that help yeah yeah that's an awesome pivot you've gone from having you know massaging people and now you're sort of doing virtual and you're helping people um so you said you're doing like coaching what what type of things are you helping people is it just given this environment or is it things that people have had from their childhood or adolescence it's pretty much all of the above Jess um you know it would start with maybe a current situation or a current crisis like someone can't think straight they're overwhelmed they you know they're just feeling like they're living in a fog um or they've got physical symptoms they're not sleeping at night 
you know, whatever it may be. And so we would look at the initial issue and then, you know, it may uncover some deeper stuff and then, you know, we would go and clear that up so that it takes it offline and their physical body's not going to be as challenged and take on any trauma or drama around it. And then, you know, at some point in the future that may turn into dis-ease, um, you know, as in inverted commas, their body not being at ease. Yeah. So you've been doing this, you've been massaging people, um, a little bit of energy clearing or like Reiki, is that what you were saying? Yeah, I... Um, I've done pranic healing and I studied that in Australia and also in India with some amazing teachers uh, in Combator and all, all throughout different parts of India. So it's pranic healing is similar to Reiki and um, it is energetic work, but it also blends perfectly with all the other work that I do, which is all the NLP coaching and being able to change beliefs and you know take trauma out of the body take pain out of the body or just release the way that we're holding on to things so it's been the most beautiful combination of you know physical mental emotional and spiritual work all combined in in one session I just love it it's very yeah. very blessed and if someone, how much do you think we hold in our bodies? So like for someone that might always have like chronic lower back pain or shoulder pain or neck pain, how much do you think that that, that is from either just everyday life and oops, I just it's just there because it's there. Do you think that we hold a lot in our bodies? We hold so much in our bodies you know, we're a physical being. It's the only body we've got. And any event that takes place through life from, you know, even before birth um, to conception all the way through to whatever age you are now, we will hold certain significant emotional triggers somewhere in our body. And um, through these sessions, what you can easily find is okay, this is where I took on that belief and this is how I've stored it in my body. And that may be a pain in the shoulder or a pain in the neck or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and once you unravel that and change the belief and what was taken on at the time and then basically impose like a new healthy um, aware belief that serves the person, then that, that pain and the discomfort pretty much generally disappears. So it seems like magic. It's not. It's just how our bodies are designed to work. They can yeah. heal themselves. They're, and then, they're very, very, very talented. Yes. And so someone like with, um, you know, neck or shoulder pain, they could kind of work on booking a session and, and just going through maybe what, it, like how would you even uncover what it could be? Do you, like, <laughs> you know? I, I, it's funny, Jess. It's like I go, oh, I'm like a detective, yeah. you know? And see, this is what happened. Like I, when I was massaging all the time, people would feel amazing, but then I would see them come back and the same thing kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And so that was really part of what helped me learn, wanting to learn to go deeper and find out, well, why is this happening? You know, like I can do the best massage in the world, but this is still coming back for this person. And so one of my latest clients um, before COVID, like she had this amazing pain in her um, shoulder. And when we were working, 
who was actually tracking back to her grandmother and that that side of her family. There was certain beliefs that were stuck and had been taken on by the female lineage. And once we cleared that off and she acknowledged that, you know, within about a month, that pain disappeared completely. She hasn't had it back. So that's it's so, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That just blows my mind. I know. It's like I love this work so much because People, some people go, oh my God, that's just like woo-woo and I don't believe it. But um, it's just how our bodies work. You know, they work in pictures, they work in energy, they work in holding things until we get the lesson and go, oh, okay, I can let that go now. So yeah. Nice. And to me, it just makes sense. Like I've tried, I've done things with like, you know, doctors and even like psychologists and then, you know, you go through a lot of things, but then when you actually move to the energy side of things, it's a whole new ball game. And maybe depending on like the way different people learn and respond to things. But for me, like around the energy healing is something I respond really well to and trying to like create awareness in the body to figure out where something might be sitting or what it might be relating to. You can get rid of it completely and, you know, your brain, your mindset, and that's just things that, you know, not modern day, but medical things is like, they're like, oh no, just here, take this packet of pills, you know? Yeah, I know. And truly, if I were to be hit by a car or if I were, you know, something absolutely traumatic happened, oh, my God, I want the ambos there (laughs) and I want the best doctors on the planet to work with me and they are incredible. They do such a brilliant job, but it's being able to have that level of detailed care in the medical world and I think then taking our own responsibility for what's going on in our mind and our body and doing as much as we possibly can to then help our body be well and be healthy. Yes. It's the least we could do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's easier said than done. My goodness. Yeah, (laughs) it is definitely easier said than done. Yeah. What advice would you give for anyone out there thinking of starting up their side hustle or even just quitting their full-time job to go full-time in their business? Hmm. Depends the day you ask me. The days I love, <laughs> love business and it's like, Woo-hoo, this is awesome. It's like, oh yeah, go do it. And then, you know, at those periods through the journey of not loving business, it's like, oh my God, I would love to be an employee and have no responsibility because sometimes there's a myth of when you're your own business and you're you're an owner that you get all the time in the world and that just things are rosy and you have all this money and it's like oh my goodness no no actually you know you you never work harder than what you do when you work for yourself um they're quite literally it's hard to have downtime or um, time off because even if you're not physically working you are mentally still thinking about it and even you know at two three four in the morning you can wake up thinking then the ugly of whatever's going on for you in that week or that month of business so um, sometimes there's a lot of talk around if you find your passion and you know, do your passion because you'll never work a day in your life and, you know, that's what will make you a successful business owner. 
that can be a double-edged sword too and it's probably not that um well talked about but i truly loved and still do giving massage and it became so joyous for me it made my heart sing and yet i created a prison for myself in my business where i didn't even want to get a massage and i didn't even want to talk to massage there it was like oh i want to get away from it so be careful what you wish for sometimes um, in the way that you set up your business so set it up with the end in mind um, what's i know they talk about you know what's your exit strategy and when you're super excited and you can't think about anything else and you just want to give and you want to serve and you want to create an amazing business you think that that passion will be there forever and for a long time it absolutely will and then at some point things will change in life you know there are times when um you you are so passionate and you're so driven and you just it's all you can think about and then at some point that will stop you will have priorities change you'll want to have children or you want to travel the world or you know like me when my mum passed it really shook me to my core and made me reevaluate. did I love my business what did I really want who did I want to be in my world that I'd created and um, at that point it's like you know I think I remember I wanted to get out I wanted to get out and I, I hadn't set the company in the right way to make it a, like a successful exit and a successful sale. So if I wanted to have given it away for next to nothing, sure, I could have, but I put so many years into building this business that I think they're some of the things that need to maybe be talked about more and, um, taught better for entrepreneurs and business owners that are starting out yeah just kind of understanding that there are some ups and downs and I think allowing yourself to rest is something that um, I'm kind of seeing because like you said you can be really passionate about it and then you want to keep working and working and working but yeah it can actually burn out pretty quickly Burnout is real. I've been Burnout, there, done yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, like you could pretty much look, look, list everything that could happen in a business. Well, I've done all of it, so <laughs> I'm not the I'm not this perfect, you know. Like swinging from the rafters, I've never made a mistake in business. I've made gazillions, and um, I'm more than happy to, you know be the person that goes, no, no, this is all the things that can go wrong. And, I'm, you know, I'm happy to share and help you not make the same mistakes because, you know, there's just life's too short to yeah. regret things. Way too short. Is there anything you'd yeah. go back and do differently? Like if you could sort of tell yourself, oh, Kim, don't do that. <laughs> is there anything you would <laughs> oh have? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, when I first started, I just loved what I did so much to the detriment of every other part of my business. So I, I was scared of finances. I didn't understand money. Mum and dad had never told me about budgeting or savings or anything. And I had no clue. So I didn't do books for years. You know, back when I started, it was all cash business. And like I didn't have a good accountant and then I couldn't find a good accountant when I started to try to get it all together. Um, 
And I just buried my head in the sand and went, oh, it doesn't really matter. And it doesn't really matter until it absolutely matters and there's no money in the bank and the bank, you know, freeze your accounts and the shit gets real at that point. Mm. So that's the one thing that if someone had said to me, you have to nail the finances and getting your systems and your structures in place to understand like your break even your break even for profit your average dollar sale how many clients you need you know all of those things oh my god that would have been a pivotal moment of just just not going through so much hell and heartache yes and getting your team I think at the beginning having a really good team around you so like you said a really good accountant you know, really talking with people about finding the best accountant and all the people that, you know, bookkeeper, whoever it is, if you're not good at finances, just accept that, like, don't cheap out on it or don't try and like push yourself to do something that you hate doing, just invest. And I know it's hard in the startup, but gosh, yeah, I think having a good team is so important at the start. Yeah. And it's, it is that double-edged sword because you can't afford them, but you yeah. can't afford them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I can't afford it, but I really need it, but I can't. And, <laughs> and just, yeah, trying to invest and in every little bit of money that you make, I guess it just has to go back into creating that really good team. Actually, that's a really good point, Jess. That's one other thing that I wish I had have done. Um, like the money that you do make, yes, you've got to reinvest in your business, but you really need to put money aside into your super or mm. buying property or whatever, because too many people, and I've seen it to my friends that have been in business, they put all of their heart and soul and effort and energy into their business thinking that when they sell, they'll make, you know, a zillion dollars and that'll be their retirement and they have all their eggs in one basket. But the thing is they, it, it's, you know, a tiny percentage of businesses sell for the big dollars. A lot of them will just close down, go bankrupt, you know, maybe bought out for cents in the dollar by some of those sort of, you know, sharky type business people that go, yeah, I'll just take it over because you're exhausted um, and we'll give you $5 for it and you keep all the debt. And people are just <laughs> so, so devastatedly over it that they go, okay, And then that business gets taken over and gets built up by someone else. So have your plan. And even if it's only $5 a week or $10 a week that you start out, just automatically move that money to your super or to an investment account or to a, you know, buying a house account. If I had known that when I was 18, oh my goodness, I'd be in such a different you know, financial place than I am right now, um, like 10 times better than what I am right now. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, you know, looking at retirement can be such a dirty word for people. And I think looking for that and just retirement doesn't mean that you stop working and you go, um, you know, sit on a beach all day, but just setting yourself up, knowing what those years look like after a certain age and starting yes. that now, people just push it out and push it out and their money mindset is just can be so unhealthy that they ignore it or they don't they don't want to talk about it. So we're going to do an episode on that for sure, just around setting yourself up. Oh, that's good because yeah. it's a big taboo. You know, so many business owners, they act on the outside that they've got it all together 
and that their business is doing brilliantly. But if you, if you scratch the surface and like look through their books, they're either hemorrhaging money, they're just breaking even, or they're making probably as much or, you know, less than an employee. Yeah. 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 So but they've got all the stress of the world on their shoulders and the yes. responsibility of their team and their clients. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think, yeah, for, for everyone out there listening, we really want to go through like investment strategies, whether that's property or shares and, and just kind of talk about that because a lot of people don't know. Oh, I so wish I had have known. Like I just, <laughs> I got on that entrepreneurial sort of bent and then learnt about growing and scaling a business. But yeah, I didn't, I just didn't know what I didn't know about the financial part. And it took a long time to learn that, like kicking and screaming, you know, to learn that because I'm stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> thought, oh no, my team can do it. And then, you know, you have bad team members at times that take advantage and, you know, steal money or whatever, things go wrong and yeah, so just Um, a myriad of ways that you can self-sabotage if you don't do the work. Yes, absolutely. So I've got some um, three quick questions for you just to wrap this up. The first question is what is your go-to karaoke song? No question of a doubt, I will survive. (laughs) (laughs) Gloria Gloria Gaynor. Yeah, such a good karaoke (laughs) song. But a goodie. Uh, Everyone knows it too. It's a real like crowd pumper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. And what's your favorite destination? I know it's a bit sad now that we can't travel, but, you know, if if restrictions are lifted. Um, Absolutely Vietnam. Love it. And the last um, third question is the best piece of advice you've ever received. I think it would be that a lot of people see successful people or who they deem to be successful and think that they've got no fear. But the truth is we're intimate with fear. We just learn to manage it better. Yeah. Yeah. So they think that they're not, you know, they're doing what they're doing purely because they don't have any fear, but that's just not true. Yeah, it's not true at all. I feel fear every single day and it's learning how to overcome that fear and it will never go away. You know, it's always going to be there when you're trying to learn new things, level up, change, adapt, whatever. And so no matter how brilliant a social media feed looks or a website or the media or PR or whatever, it's like that person has worked their bottom off to get where they are and they feel fear every single day pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, that was when I learned that, it was like, oh, thank God. It's not just me. Yes. Because I would think I'm the only one that feels this amount of fear all the time trying to do new things or take new risks and, um, and so that really took a lot of pressure off and just made me realise that it's okay. It's just a normal part of life. Yeah, it comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like some days 
you know, tiny, tiny amount of fear and other days, immense amounts of fear. And then for months, you know, you're not doing everything's in your comfort zone and it's totally great. So it's just all part of life's journey. Yeah. Love that. All right, Kim, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. I really, um, I think that there's a lot of good stuff in this podcast that people will really be able to relate to and a lot of helpful information. I hope so. I always like to be as real as possible and not, you know, not put on some fake thing. It's like, no, no, life happens and this is just all part of it. So if I can help anyone (laughs) to not make the same mistakes I've made or, you know, just to feel that they're okay just wherever they are right now and whatever they're doing, that it's all okay, that it's safe for them just to be themselves then that's a good good a good um a good thing to be able to help and pass on and you're doing an amazing job Jess in you know with all of the beautiful stuff that you're sharing through your work and your podcast so just keep on doing it it's wonderful thank you Kim and you too (laughs) thank you so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that if you're wanting any information about Kim or you'd love to get in touch you can find her on Instagram at Kim Power Wellbeing, or you can go to kimpower.com. I've also popped some of her details into the show notes.